So as, as George said, uh, my name is John O'Brien. It's a real privilege to, to get to share this morning. Uh, and I want to wrap up our series of more. Who's enjoyed the series so far? Yeah, is it all right? I'm going to give you a quick recap. Is that okay? Uh, I'm going to give you a quick recap for a couple of reasons. One reason is that it's uh, my job to put up the sermons on SoundCloud. And I've been struggling with that because I lost some MP3 files and stuff. But they're on YouTube, uh, so you can listen to them on there. I did that this week. But uh, apologies for the lack of SoundCloud for those of you who've been looking. So I'll surmise it for you in case you, you weren't here or you've forgotten. Is that all right? Very cool. That's, that's a very quiet yes. That makes me feel guilty about my lack of SoundCloud. Is that all right? Yeah, it's, it's a little bit better. We'll get loud by the end of it, yeah? I'll preach real loud, and you guys can, can meet me up there. But um, we started the year with, with Pastor Brendan talking to us uh, about this idea of more, right? And about this idea of how we need to live in, in the tension of, of what is and what we feel God is saying should be, right? And how we, we need to live in this tension, and, and that to live in this tension, we need more faith, and that faith is an action, Right, and then the next week, Pastor Jordan talked to us uh, about this idea. He reminded us that, that if we don't move towards God, we'll drift away. Right, that, that in life, the, was it the third or the second law of thermodynamics? Second law of thermodynamics, right? Which is everything tends towards entropy. Things break down. Nothing's going to get better on its own. Has anyone found that in their life? right? Your car doesn't just service itself. It's weird, right? Um, but but th- this idea that we need to move towards God, ultimately asking the question, where do we put our faith, right? And then last week, we had the honor and the privilege of the, the handsome Mark Limmer. Ah, oh, look at him over there. He's like, stop talking about me. Uh, but Mark shared with us this idea of the fact that he talked about having faith in, in the middle, that when we have a dream, but we haven't seen it land yet. And this idea of God knows who you are, God knows where you are, and God has a plan for you. That was an awesome message, yeah? Who was here last week? Man, I listened to it on YouTube, and I was like, oh, wow, that, 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 got, me, uh, that got me sideways, right? And, and he finished with this, this, um, this moment that I really liked of encouraging us to dream in 2018. Right, encouraging us to, to, to step out on our more, to, to stand on your dream, to, to declare that you want more, right? And he got us, he, he handed out cards. Did anyone pick up a card last week? Yeah, awesome. Awesome. I want to encourage you, if you, if you grabbed a card last week, that's fantastic. If you didn't, um, maybe talk to Mark. Uh, maybe he's got some more. He'll, he'll bring you some, right? But, but let's make sure that, that we're being intentional about our more. Is that all right? Is that right? So today what I want to talk to you about is I want to continue on, on that thought that, that Mark brought. And I want to speak to the idea of how do we step out, right? How do we step out into our more? How do we move towards our more? How do we move towards our dream, right? And, and uh, I'm going to start, turn with me if you have your Bibles. I'm going to start in Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to read verses 24 to 28 in the message translation. I want to look at this story and a few ideas. And if you're, if you're taking notes this morning, which of course you all are, right? Because huh, huh. Yeah. Uh, if you're taking notes this morning, uh, my sermon is titled Base Camp. Say that with me, Base Camp. Nice, nice. All right, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24 to 28. Let's read some Bible because uh, that's always a good place to start. It says this, By faith, Moses, when grown, refused the privileges of the Egyptian royal house. He chose a hard life with God's people rather than an opportunistic, soft life of sin with the oppressors. He valued suffering in the Messiah's camp far greater than Egyptian wealth because he was looking ahead, anticipating the payoff. 
By an act of faith, he turned the, his heel on Egypt, indifferent to the king's blind rage. He had his eye on the one no eye can see and kept right on going. We'll leave it there. Right? Can we pray? Is that all right? Bow your heads with me. God, we don't take this moment for granted. God, we make it a, we make it a habit of coming to church. God, we make it a habit of, of drawing close to you as, as a people in, in, in relationship and community and listening to what it is you say, God, but, but we don't take this moment for granted. God, thank you that you are here in our midst. Thank you that you're speaking, God. Thank you that as I speak, as I give the best of what I have, that it's not me and my ability, but that you're here with us and you're speaking into hearts. God, we have a responsibility to this city, and we know it as a church. We've declared it out previously, and, and we choose this morning to, to, to lean into what it is you're saying, to choose to have ears that can hear as you call us to more, God. God, I pray that, that we would be bold. God, I pray that we would be courageous. God, I pray that we wouldn't wait for the end of the message to start agreeing with what it is that you're saying, but that we would be with you from the start. God, I pray that this isn't a message that I bring, but as a church, we preach together, God. Thank you that you're here with us, that you love us, and that you have a calling for us. In Jesus' name, amen. See, my understanding, and I hope yours uh, is at the moment as well, is that we're in a moment as a church. That, that we're in a moment as a church, and that this morning we've, we've identified that as a people, that, that as a church, we have decided that we want to be about more, right? That, that we want to be about more, and that means that we know where we are, right? You can't want to have more if you don't know where you currently are, because well, what's the reference point for more, right? And, and so, so we know that we're already a church that meets together. We know that we're already a church that fellowships together, that, that meets with God, that loves God, and that's important, and we value that, and we love that, but we're also acknowledging that God is calling us right? That that's where we are, but God is calling us corporately and individually to more, right? That, that God calls us to be a church that doesn't just love inside these walls, but, but that loves everyone on the streets outside. That God calls us not just to meet together with Him here on a Sunday morning, but to be a people that walk with Him every day of the week, right? We're looking at who we are, and, and we're excited about who we are, but we're setting goals, Right, as a church, we've set this goal to have a measurable impact in the city in just two years because we're intentionally aiming for more. Here's the thing about more, right? I don't know if you've, if you've found this in your life, but you, you don't just uh, automatically, you don't just magically get more of something good, do you? Anyone found that in your life? You don't, you don't just decide, I want to get more fit, and then all of a sudden you're more fit. You don't, don't just decide, oh, I, want to, I want to get more knowledgeable, and all of a sudden you're more knowledgeable. But the opposite is true, right? You do just accidentally, magically seem to get more of the things that we don't want in our life. At least I do, right? I'll just accidentally get more lazy. Well, oh, how did, how did that happen? I had all these good intentions, and I'll just accidentally get more irritable, right? Is anyone else... Anyone else feel this feeling, right? Or is it just Jono and his, it's like, we've done the reverse of the Catholic Church. You all gather and I confess to you, right? But we get just, we automatically get more. 
but we don't automatically get more of the things that, that we want. We don't automatically get more of the good things. And see, the premise that I'm working from today, the reason that I've titled this sermon Base Camp, is I think that that, that statement, this idea, perfectly captures where we are. Right? When, when you want more, you need to be careful that you don't uh, debase or disrespect where you've come from, right? what, what has been. It's, it's easy to, to, to throw aspersions, to, to throw some shade, we'll get both sides of the, the audience there with those two statements, right, on the past, to make now seem better, to make it seem like it's more, but that's not more, right? That's the, the life equivalent of fancy Instagram angles, Anyone know that feeling? Like you make a New Year's resolution of I'm going to go for more runs. You don't go for more runs, but you told a lot of people on social media that you did. So you figure out just the right angle to make it look like you went on more runs. Like, yeah, I look skinny. Sweet. Done. Yeah. Hashtag fitness goals. Hashtag fitness inspo. Hashtag please like me. See, but life is an Instagram. In life, we can't just create more uh, by, by fancy angles. We have to be honest with ourselves. And we have to start by, and I, as a church and, and, and as individuals, I believe that, that, that we have a, that we, we don't want to make it seem like we have more when we don't. Right? We don't want to set these goals for ourselves as a church and, and pretend that we've met them without actually changing. What we want to be is we want to be at base camp. Anyone know what base camp is? Anyone? Any mountaineers in the congregation, right? Base camp is this idea of it's, it's the last camp that you set as you're climbing a mountain before the final approach to the summit, right? It's kind of the, it's the last stop. It's the final breath before the last push forward. See, reaching base camp in and of itself is an accomplishment, right? I've never climbed like a, a mountain mountain. Although growing up in Wellington, sometimes it feels like you have, right? Especially in the heat lately. You walk up Mount Vic and you're like, pretty sure that's what Hillary felt like. I'm pretty sure. I mean Edmund Hillary, not, not Hillary, Hillary. <laughs> right, but I never climbed a, a mountain mountain before. But, but I can understand that getting to base camp is an accomplishment, right? Getting to base camp isn't necessarily easy. In fact, on Mount Everest, base camp, the, the, the base camp that Sir Edmund Hillary and Tenzin all uh, set off from is at 17,600 feet, right? That's high. That's higher than, than any mountain in New Zealand. That's higher than most other mountains in the world. See, we need to realize that as a church, we've already come so far. That as a church, we should be proud of who we are. We should be proud of what we've accomplished. See, in your life, you might feel like you've already climbed a mountain. Because maybe you have. You should be proud of where you are. You've come so far, and that should be celebrated. But there is more. Turn to your neighbor and tell them there is more. It's good. It's good. We're getting louder. We're getting there. I'm just going to shout till I'm hoarse. Can I tell you a story? Is that all right? Story time with Jono. When I was a kid, once upon a time, in a land called New Zealand, uh, when I was a kid, we used to go uh, camping every summer holiday. Anyone a camper, camper in the room? You guys need to get in camping, man. It's awesome. Uh, I realized, looking back, that one of the main reasons we went camping every summer holiday is because camping is one of the cheapest ways to take a summer holiday, but I thought it was awesome. Right, I really enjoy camping. And I remember one year in particular, we went camping, and, and, and we were camping maybe when I was about 10 years old in Napier. And I remember we, we pulled up and we arrived and we got out the old canvas tent, right? None of those fancy pop-up tents that we have now. We, we had a real canvas tent. Does anyone remember those tents? Yeah? 
the ones you touch the wall and then they leak and then you get shouted at and you're like, I'm sorry. And we found our site and it was a beautiful site, right? Kind of the, the hill rolled down a little bit and it was a bit flat and then it rolled down a little bit more to a beautiful kind of babbling brook. It was, oh, it was idyllic. We were like, we've found it. We've, we've got it. This is the site. And so we, we put out our ground sheet, we put up our tent, we have that thing where it's, it's either raining or really hot when you put up a tent. It's never ideal tent weather. It's either like, this is too hot, or we're getting water inside the bit that needs to not have water in it. So it's never great, right? And we had that thing, we have to grab the poles, and you have to lift them at the same time, but you can't see each other because you're through the, the canvas. And it's like, ready? One, two, three. No, tent fell over. <laughs> right, start again. So 23 hours later, we put up the tent. And, and we were happy with our tent, right? We, we looked at our tent and we surveyed what we had done and we declared that it was good because we were a biblical family. <laughs> I, most of the preparation of the sermon was writing that joke. Um, and so we looked at our tent and we're like, awesome, awesome. And so we went to bed, right? We, we, uh, as I lay myself, we went to bed. We went to bed. Uh, and, and in the night, as we were slumbering, you should imagine the sweet sound of young Jono slumbering. Such a young, beautiful boy. Uh, so we're slumbering, and it starts to rain. It starts to, you know, you get that nice, I love it when it rains in a tent. You get that kind of pitter-patter on the canvas. Beautiful. It starts to rain. Rains a little bit more. Keeps on raining. Rains, rains a little bit more. Keeps on raining. Rains a, a little bit more. And, and also, the other thing that had happened is there hadn't been any rain for weeks before this rain. And uh, what happens when, when there hasn't been any rain and then all of a sudden there's a large amount of rain is the ground does this weird thing where it goes really hard, right? And even though it would like some rain, it kind of rejects it at first. It's like, no, no, I'm, I'm very hard and tough. And the water, rather than it, as it would in, in you know, normal kind of nice moist dirt, uh, rather than just filtering into it and bringing that life-giving water, it just sits on the top of the, the, uh, the surface for a little bit. And so the rain started to gather. It started to gather under our tent. Uh, it started to gather in the gap between the ground sheet and the floor of our tent, which is where you don't want the water. Then it started to gather down in the stream, down at the, at the bottom of our campsite. Then the stream started to, to rise a little bit. It kept on raining. The stream kept on rising until the water under our tent met the water in the stream. And all of a sudden, we weren't camping on ground anymore. We were in the stream. And then things started floating. Like I have a memory of sitting on a chili bin watching stuff float on by being like, I don't think we can just sleep through this. Like this is a big issue. See, here's the thing, right? In life, overnight, what had seemed to be an ideal location in the light of day became a lot less ideal. See, that the first thing that we need to understand about base camp is even though it's an accomplishment, even though it can be amazing, my first point today, if you're taking notes, as we look at how we climb, how we push into more, is that we need to remember, point number one, a past promise can become a present prison. See, here's the thing, right? Moses is our perfect scriptural touchstone for this idea because Moses moves from the, the comforts of, of where he was living into discomfort, and he does it for more. And we know this, right? It's, it's fresh in our mind from our Exodus series last year that Egypt in the Bible always equals bad, Right, that Egypt is this extended metaphor of, of an example of leaving sin, of, of leaving captivity, of leaving that which makes us less. But here's the thing. In the Bible, Egypt wasn't always bad. 
Right, in fact, in the Bible, a few generations before Moses, Egypt was the promise, right? Joseph was, was, was uh, the kind of the prime minister of Egypt, and his brothers were starving. His brothers were living in Israel, and they were going to die of starvation, and Joseph saved them by bringing them into Egypt. See, the, the problem is, is that sometimes if you stay in too long in what was promised— if you stay too long in what was promised and you don't move into what has been promised next, it can go from being a promise to a prison. See, I, I don't want to fear monger, but I think before we go into unpacking how we move into more, how we start to climb, I want to address the little voice in your head that says, do we really need to? Like, as a church, we're pretty comfy. As a church, it's great where we are. I'm, I'm enjoying it where we are. I know everyone at the moment. It's, it's, you know, I can always find a park. I can always get my nice seat that I like three rows back on the left or four rows back on the right or sitting out in the foyer because I don't like church. No one sits in the foyer. But I, I want to address that voice that says, do we really need to? And I want to suggest that we need to move into more. That we are called to be nomadic people spiritually. That, that we are called to never settle until we reach our heavenly home. See, life is referred to uh, by a bunch of metaphors in the Bible, but by far the most widely used in the New Testament is the metaphor employed by Paul of life is a race. That life is something that is moving, that is flowing, that's, that's always changing. And I want to remind us, like Jordan spoke about two weeks ago, that if we're not moving towards God, we'll accidentally be drifting away. See, we're called for more, but more isn't a location, it's a person. See, in the wilderness, when the, when the Israelites were in the desert, God guided them as they traveled. Right, he guided them with a, a pillar of cloud in the day and a pillar of, of fire at night. And I think the reason for this is he knew their past propensity. He knew that they were inclined to camp in a place thinking that the location was the promise. To camp in a place thinking that the location was the promise. Let's not be the Israelites camped in a place that was promised, but God said move and we stayed. Right, let's be nomadic. Let's move with God, not attached to places or stages, but be willing to break camp and move because God is moving. Or else we, we risk becoming like the Israelites, right? And enslaved in a place that was a promise but has become a prison, right? We know this feeling. The promotion at work was the promise. And you get it, and it's amazing, but, but accidentally, you move the, the purpose of who you are. You move the, the core element that makes you, you, from God to work. And, and, and then this thing which is good, this thing which was a blessing given from God, we stay there, and we only take our work from there, and we make it a prison. And now our mood depends on how our day at work went. Now, how the year went depends on, did we get a pay rise and a promotion? And we make this thing that was a promise into a prison because we put it in the wrong place. See, let's move with God into more, right? So how? How do we climb higher? How do we move towards more? We, we do this by becoming like Moses, right? Becoming like Moses who refused the privileges of the Egyptian royal house. Moses who chose a hard life with God's people rather than an opportunistic soft life of sin with the oppressors. We need to leave base camp. See, base camp has, has proper insulated tents, 
Base camp has, has toilets. Base camp has real food, not just that dried out stuff you have to add water to. Base camp has shelter. Base camp is safe. And the path to the summit is uncomfortable. The path to the summit is cold and dangerous and unknown. See, if you're taking notes today, my second point as we look at how we climb, how we push into more is we have a climb ahead of us. Second point, to reach the summit, we need to leave base camp. You can't stay at base camp and make the summit. Just like Moses couldn't be an Egyptian and an Israelite. He had to choose who he was going to be. He couldn't do both. He couldn't be in the comfort of the royal household and be the person who brings deliverance to his people. He couldn't do both. He had to choose one. He had to make a decision. Do I stay a member of the royal family of Egypt? Do I stay in comfort or do I campaign for the freedom of the people of Israel? Will I be an Egyptian or will I be an Israelite? See, essentially to get more, We have to give up more of ourselves. See, Jesus had an interesting interaction with every disciple, right? He called them to follow him, which is something that we kind of turn into a bit of a Christianism, and it's nice. It's, ah, following Jesus, which is great. It's great that we use it. But I think we've accidentally kind of forgot the, the weight of what's happened here. Because what we can sometimes forget is that Jesus drew a crowd, Right, Jesus was an attraction. People were, were interested in Jesus. Have you ever watched a street performer? Right, I don't mean like a busker. I mean those guys who juggle things on fire and sharp knives and stand on stilts. And you kind of have that morbid curiosity when you first see them because you're like, is today the day I'm going to see a person die in real life? Wow. No one else has that morbid curiosity? No, just me. But anyway, street performers are interesting because the crowd that they start with isn't the crowd they finish with. Right, people kind of come, they watch a little bit, and they get a little bit bored, and they kind of, they, they wander off, right? The crowd that they start with wasn't the same crowd that they, they finished with. See, Jesus drew a crowd. People would show up, they'd, they'd kind of hang around, they'd maybe get a miracle or a meal, and, and then they'd leave. Like, wow, that Jesus guy, fantastic. Might come back same time next week. That was, that was great. I enjoyed the loaves and fishes, and I like that I can nice now see out of my eyes, Right? Five out of five on Yelp. Jesus is a great street performer. But Jesus challenged the disciples. When everyone else was coming and and casually observing, coming and consuming what Jesus had to provide, he challenged them to stay. He asked them to follow him, to go from being believers to disciples. You see, to follow someone means you have to leave something behind. Isn't that right? To, to follow someone means you can't stay where you were. You can't stay in the spot that you were. So when Jesus says, follow me, what he's really saying is everything else in your life will have to change. To follow Jesus, to become a disciple, their lives would have to change dramatically, right? Like Jordan talked about two weeks ago, the first example we have in the Bible of anyone following God or following God's calling is, is God's call to Abraham. And in that moment, the first time Abraham meets God face to face, almost immediately, God essentially says, leave your familiar culture where, where, where you're esteemed and prominent and comfortable. Leave your homeland where everyone knows you. Leave your comfort zone and go to some place I'm not even going to tell you about. Just go there. Right, which we can go and be like, yeah, but you know, you have to start the Bible on a high note. So obviously Moses, uh, sorry, obviously Abraham is going to be an extreme example, right? Abraham, father of, father of nations, Abraham and many sons, right? Abraham's a, a big deal. Everyone else, though, God was way easier on. 
right? But no, the first time that God meets Moses in Exodus chapter 3 at the burning bush, God says to Moses, go to Pharaoh, leave your comfortable life. It's time to climb again, right? It's time to, to push into more. And in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah is a prophet and he sees God and he's overwhelmed and he falls down and says, I feel like I'm coming apart. For the first time, he's seen the grandeur of God. For the first time, he's seen the glory of God. And what happens? What does God say? Immediately, God says, I have a job for somebody. I've got a job for somebody. I've got a group of people over here, and I need someone to go minister to them, to go speak to them, to go preach to them. These people, however, are very hard-hearted, and they will never listen. They will not hear what it is you have to say. Whoever goes there will be there for years and years and years, and no one will ever listen. They will relentlessly laugh at you. They will continuously resist you, but I need someone to go. And what does Isaiah say? What does Isaiah do? He gets up and he says, here I am, God, send me. I'll leave this this culture in which I'm an esteemed prophet. I'll leave my comfort. I'll leave base camp, God, and I'll climb again towards the summit. See, every time God sees, every time someone sees God for who God really is, every time we have this real, authentic encounter with God, they end up leaving where they are. They leave their safety and their security. They leave base camp. So what's the purpose? Why? Why make ourselves intentionally uncomfortable, right? Is Christianity just like a, a medicistic, that's not a real word, that word that means that you intentionally hurt yourself, that's the word I'm looking for. Is, is Christianity just like a, a club where you really enjoy being uncomfortable, right? Like, oh man, there's people that work out, but the, the reason they work out is they like talking about how sore they are. And like, how are you? Oh, I'm really sore. I went to the gym yesterday. Oh, can you see how sore my arms are? No one else do that, just me again. Why? What's the purpose in this discomfort? Right? It, it's, if we know that past promises can become present prisons, if we know that we, we need to push into more by first leaving the comfort of base camp, the why, my third point, the why is there is blessing at the summit, but it's not just for you. See, here's the principle. God will never bless you except to make you a blessing. Judah Smith puts it this way. He says, God will get a blessing to you if he knows that he can get that blessing through you. See, God says to, to Abraham and Moses, go, leave your base camp, leave your comfort and security because when you reach the summit, you will bl- bring a blessing back with you. See, Abraham, you will be the point of origin for a people who will carry a promise to the world. Because you left base camp. Moses, you will bring freedom to a people in slavery because you left base camp. See, in the Old Testament, God would often meet with people on mountaintops. See, but but going to the mountain to meet God, it wasn't like a, oh, this is an exciting journey today. It wasn't a, oh, this is, I'm super lucky. Today I'm going to go to the mountain to meet God. And God's like a fancy wizard and he's going to give me like a great sword or maybe some sweet like sandals. He's going to give me some talents. Maybe he'll make me fly, right? I'm going to go meet with God and he'll bless me and I'll be amazing as a result. Meeting with God was scary because when you met with God on the mountaintop, God would give you a dream and that dream would feel like a burden. See, in fact, Abraham met with God when God saved Isaac on Mount Moriah. Moses met with God in Exodus chapter 3, the the burning bush at the Mount Sinai and called him to save Israel. Moses met God again on Mount Sinai and received the Ten Commandments as God called him to lead Israel. 
Jesus was transfigured on a high mountain with Peter, James, and John, and they realized that Jesus was much more than a prophet, and this calling was much more than just a bit of esteem and a cultural footnote. See, this is why on the 3rd of April in 1968, Martin Luther King Jr. gave a speech titled, I Have Been to the Mountaintop. Because he spoke of his conviction, rooted in his faith in God, that all men were created equal. He stood up and he said, I have a dream and it's a burden. And it was such a burden that on April 4th, 1968, the very next day, he was killed by men who had too much hate in their hearts to accept such an idea. See, there is a blessing at the summit, but the blessing isn't just for you and it's heavy to carry. And we can stay at base camp. Moses and and Abraham, they didn't need to pursue God. They were happy and they were satisfied. Moses could could have stayed in Egypt, accepted back his royalty, or Moses had a second chance. He could have stayed with Jethro, living as a, as a shepherd. He had a good life and family, and, and, and he could have avoided the burning bush. Abraham could have stayed with his family. That was the easy option, but they all left base camp and moved into more because God gave them a dream. So you can stay at base camp, but remember God isn't a location. He's a person, and that location of promise without God can too easily become a prison. So if we move into more by leaving our base camp, leaving our comfort and following God to the summit, because that's where God is and that's where the blessing is, not just for us, but for others. The final point is how, right? If we need to make sure that we don't stay in a past promise because it can become a present prison, if we know that we need to to leave base camp because we won't find the blessing if we stay, but when we find the blessing at the summit that it's not just for us, how do we climb? How do we move towards God? How do we push into more? See, as I conclude, it all ends in the same place. Maybe just I get Jack up. Moses was called to free a people. Abraham was called to begin a people. And we are called to be a people that bring hope to a nation. We are called to be a people that bring hope to a city, that bring freedom to a city, that bring healing to a city. And do you want to know the important point? Just like Moses, just like Abraham, just like every hero of faith in the Bible, we're under-equipped. The city needs more than you and I have to offer. The transformation that's needed in those streets, the love that needs to be felt in every heart is more than you and I can do on our own, as amazing as we are. And so the temptation is is to look like this. And and just like Abraham, who was called to start a family with a barren wife, just like Moses, who was called to declare freedom with a speech impediment, to see it and feel like it's a call that we can't answer on our own. See, we need to step into it out of of comfort, knowing that there is a blessing in our our obedience. And we need to embrace that we're not not doing it for favor. We're not doing it for for kudos or, or earning love, that we are bringing our best. We are being all that we can be. We are seeking God, but we're not earning His love. Sometimes all that seems scary. Sometimes we can say, I'll, I'll never be able to step into more. It's, it's too much for me. I could never handle it. I want to put up on the screen Romans chapter 12, verse 3. This is Paul writing to this emotion, writing to a group of people who feel this feeling in Rome. He says, I'm speaking to you out of deep gratitude for all that God has given me. 
And especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you. Living then as every one of you does in pure grace, it's important that you not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. No, God brings it all to you. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what He does for us, not by what we are and what we do for Him. See, we can't repay God. He's set us free. He's given us back our lives when we could never earn it. But what we can do is to make sure that we embrace that freedom. That, that we embrace that freedom and let Him do what He needs to do in our lives. That we get rid of the scorecard mentality. Oh God, you saved me, so I guess I'll reach out to this person. Oh God, you delivered me, so I guess I'll say grace today. Right, to get rid of the scorecard mentality because we're not serving Jesus for His favor. We serve Jesus because we already have it. See, in this base camp metaphor, the mountain is salvation. Right, we're already on the mountain. God already loves you. It's not a case of earning favor or salvation. We push on because we know that we are loved. We need to get rid of this earning mentality out of our minds. There's nothing we can do to earn salvation. It's freely given. You're on the team. You, you have a seat here. There's nothing you can do to be in or out of God's grace. The question is, what will you do with it? We've been given this grace. What will we do with it? See, and I'm, I'm done. But personally, I've, I've been in an interesting spot lately. All right, some of you uh, might have noticed that uh, we are expecting a baby. Right? Em's not just hiding a pillow under her top for fun. Right? And, and at the same time, personally, I've been, I've been dreaming for more. Right? I've, I've been thinking about this church and, and God's placed a dream in my heart to see our church rapidly expand this year in, in numbers and in influence and in love. And so I feel called to be more and more involved. I feel called to, to give all I have to this cause that I believe in. And at the same time, we're expecting a baby in 23 days, which seems very close. And then just because life likes to get fun, right? I got promoted very quickly twice at work, which seems like a thing that I'm complaining about. I'm not. Right, it's great. But at the same time, with, with these promotions comes a, hey, here's some more responsibility. Here's a work phone so that we can reach you whenever we want to. Right, here's, here's people that their livelihood directly reports to you. They're gonna come to you with their questions and their problems and their requests for pay rises, right? Sort this out. And it's, it's awesome and it's great, but all of it is asking more of me. All of it is, is pulling at me and the temptation is to withdraw, to only do what I know I can handle in my own strength, to pull back into my own personal little safety bubble and say, this is base camp. I like it here. I know it here. I'm going to stay here. The danger is that I camp in a place of promise, hoping for it to be my security, but making it my prison. See, I don't want to wake up in 10 years realizing that I made my career and my family my security, creating idols out of good things and destroying them in the process. So I need to prioritize. I need to prioritize my connection with God. I need to remind myself daily that without a good space of prayer and reflection every day, I become unmoored and it all becomes too much. 
See, I need to remind myself that I need to look for an expression beyond me, that I need to, I need to go against my natural inclination of self-preservation and realize that I am most like Christ when I give beyond my abilities, not in my ability, but in God's. See, I started today by asking, how do we step out? How do, how do we move towards our more? How do we move towards our dream? This morning, if you take nothing else away, I want you to take away this. Do something scary. Do something scary. Do something big. Do something that requires faith. See, I need you to hear me. I'm not saying burn yourself out. Some of us hear this call to more and we're like, no, that's a call to burnout. I'm not answering that call. I've done it before and I have the scars to prove it, right? I'm not going there. I'm not saying burn yourself out because here's the thing. When we operate in God's grace, it should never burn us out. The inclination is when things get hard, what we do is, is our pride wells up and we don't ask for help. Or, or our pride wells up and we say, God, I can handle this in my own strength, actually. I'm not going to ask you for your divine help in this. I'm going to go out and I'm going to lead the people of Israel all by myself. I'm Moses. There's a rock. We need some water. Smack. Right? We need to realize that we're not being called to burn ourselves out. We're being called to live in a grace. And the tension is, is to live in that grace does mean we live in the space that others get burnt out, but we don't. And we don't because we rely on God. Be sensible. Have someone that you talk to. Have people that you rely on. Have people that you can say, hey, this is too much for me. I need to pull back in the season as I realign myself. Sometimes you can't keep on doing everything you're doing if God isn't at the center. Put everything else down. Realign with God and you can pick it back up once things are all right again. But let's realize that we're called to more and more is a place of discomfort. Find something that you can't do without God and push towards it. In His grace, see the challenges. Don't, don't camp in past comfort. Leave base camp and climb. Climb in grace and not in your effort because there is a blessing waiting for you and those you love at the top. So how? If you're not in a team, join a team. Serve. Give beyond yourself. Meet that person this week that you don't want to meet for a coffee because you know that at the end of the meeting, you're going to be less happy about the world than at the start. Meet them and say, God, I'm going to meet with this person because I feel it's what you're telling me to do, but, but I find them hard and challenging. And so, God, I'm praying that in this meeting, you give me patience. And after this meeting, you restore me because I need you in my life to be the person I feel you're calling me to be. See, like Jordan said, I find it amazing that, that we've been praying for 10 years for opportunities to influence the city. But as soon as we declared that, that what we were believing for as a church was, was to see a measurable impact in the city, God was like, oh, okay. You want to make a measurable impact in the city? Here, here, here. Here's a thing. Here's a place that you can help. Here's a person that you can be God to. Here's someone you can bring love to. Here's a place that you can bring healing. See, now what do we do with all of the opportunities afforded to us? Like George said, Sarah and the young adults team are in a unique position of more at the moment. They have more opportunities to serve the city than they do people. They've been approached to be in almost every hall of residence on a weekly basis while still running Take 10 on a Saturday night, right? They are living in a moment that Jesus talks about in Matthew 9, 37. That the field is ripe for the harvest, but the workers are few. We are the workers. 
we're called to be this self-perpetuating machine of change that we would go out and we would tell people that they are loved, that they would find the love of God, that they would come in and be equipped and encouraged. And then they would go out and tell people that they are loved by God. And then those people would come in and be equipped for change. And then they would go out and tell people that they are loved by God. And then they would come in and be equipped for change. And that's how you change a city. It's not easy, but it is simple. See, here's the thing, and I'm done. We don't have to do anything, but more is waiting. More is waiting on the other side of our obedience. Can I leave you with a story? Let me tell you the story of of a woman named Harriet Tubman. Some of you might recognize her. In 1822, in Dorchester County, Maryland, Harriet was born into slavery. In 1849, Harriet escaped from Maryland to Philadelphia, a journey that took her almost three weeks with no shelter, no food, and slave hunters searching for her and the $300 reward on her head. However, upon reaching freedom in Philadelphia, she began to think of her family, of her father, of her mother, of her brothers and sisters and friends who were still in slavery. So Harriet began to work and save money until in 1850, she returned to the place that she had fled to rescue her family. Slowly over 11 years, Harriet returned repeatedly making 19 trips and guiding around 300 slaves to freedom as a conductor on the Underground Railroad. Then, when the American Civil War broke out in 1861, Harriet initially worked as a cook and a nurse, but quickly became a, an armed scout and a spy in the army. And so in 1863, as the first woman to lead an armed expedition in the war, she guided the Combahi River raid, which liberated more than 700 slaves in South Carolina. See, in 1849, Harriet found her freedom. But when she died in 1913, she had, she had helped to free more than a thousand others. See, Harriet's nickname on the Underground Railroad was Moses because she brought freedom to others. See, our calling, who we are meant to be as a people, what it means to be Christians that go beyond ourselves is to be Harriet, is to be Moses to find our freedom, but then not to choose to sit with our freedom thinking, I'll just wait for eternal glory now, but to go back into the places that are hard, to go back into the places where the the darkness is at its deepest and say, I'll pull people out of the place that I was. I'll bring them to freedom. I was saved in 1849, but when I die in 1913, I will have brought freedom to over a thousand others. See, our call as a people, our call as a church is is not just to be recipients of love, but participants in sharing, pushing out into more. So what's your next step? Since you bow your heads and close your eyes, we're about to wrap up the service, but what's your next step? Maybe you know that, that you're camped in past promise that's become a present prison that you're in a place that started off as good and as a blessing, but now you feel like you're trapped there. The things that used to give you joy now feel like an obligation. Your your work, which used to relish, is now something that you pull yourself out of bed for every day. 
that your defining, the defining thing in your life isn't God and it's not bringing you joy. Maybe it's just time for a realignment this morning. To say, God, I need to stop camping in past promise and I want to chase after you again. God, I feel like this is a year where I need to to look after me because I'm in a bad place, but I realize that to look after me, I need to chase after you. And that that might look like being selfless. That might look like giving of myself and, and being amazed that as I pour out of me, that you top me up, God. Maybe you're in a place and you realize you need to leave the comfort of base camp. That for too long, life has just been about you, just been about the next thing for you, just getting by, just enjoying life. And you feel that call to be like Harriet, to be like Abraham, to be like Moses, to be like the disciples, to leave your comfort and head to the summit because you know that at the summit, there's blessing. Or maybe you you know, you've already pushed out. You said, this is the year I'm gonna see God change my my life. This is the year I'm gonna see God bring change to my friends and family. And you're already climbing. Maybe you just need a reminder that we don't climb in our strength, we climb in God's grace. That it's only in Him that we can do it. It's only in His ability, it's only in Him sustaining us that we find that the climb that seemed impossible can be done because it's not us, it's God. Wherever you are this morning, whichever of those four, or maybe it's something different. As a church, we need to resolve to step out of what's comfortable. We need to declare the big, scary dreams, and then we need to chase them down. And doing so never looks easy. We never get more of something good automatically. It always requires something of us. So I want to pray for us. God, we stand here on the last Sunday of the first month of 2018. God, as we've declared that that this year, we as a church in this region are about more. God, that we're about dreams, that we're about seeing you change the city in measurable ways. God, that we don't want to just exist, but we want to be a part of your solution. God, and as we stand on the precipice of this scary dream, as we speak out these, these faith statements that disturb us because they make us uncomfortable, as we declare that we want to see 200 people in this building, as we declare that we will see the culture on Courtney Place changed, as we declare that everyone in every hall and hostel in Wellington will have an opportunity to hear the gospel, as we declare these faith statements, God, we need you to be with us. God, we need to step out. We need to move, God. Thank you that the most important step we can take is the next one. God, help us not just to talk a big game, but to put our flesh into it. God, to involve ourselves. God, that we wouldn't burn ourselves out, that we wouldn't create toxic cultures of have to, but that we would serve not out of obligation, but in your grace. That at the end of this year, we would stand up and have countless testimonies of people saying, I didn't think I could. The dream seemed too big. The dream seemed too far, too hard, too impossible. But I put myself out there and I depended on God and He met me in the middle. When I was weak, He was strong. God, thank you that you're more than enough. I pray into this room, boldness. God, even those dreams that people stood up and acknowledged last week, God, we blow onto those embers afresh, God, fan them into a flame. God, thank you that your Holy Spirit is in this room. Come on, why don't you stand to your feet?
I want to encourage you, if you have a dream, why don't you reach out to Him with it? If you're waiting for a dream, if you're waiting for a place to go, maybe you feel like Abraham and, and all you hear is the call, go, but you don't know where. Maybe just reach out to Him in this moment and say, God, where are you calling me? God, where am I to go? Can I encourage you? Maybe the first step is just start serving with Sarah and the team. They've got room. They won't turn you away. They've, they've got places. But let's be a people who our default is to serve. Our default is to pour ourselves out. Our default is to ask God, God, where can we engage with you? God, we want to be a part of the change in the city, not in our ability, but in your grace. God, I speak strength into us, God, in your name. Come on, the team's going to lead us just in a chorus. But let's reach out. It's great to have a great sermon, which I hope this was. It's great to be encouraged. But we can, we can have hype here and go out into the week and nothing's different. The moment that matters is this moment. Between you and God, where you present your dreams, you present your worries to Him, and He says we can do it. Trust me. Come on, let's reach out to Him, church. There's nothing there knowing your love. Help me to trust you more.